Welcome to the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you are having a great start to your Thursday. It's Thursday, April 29th, and the NFL Draft is finally here. It's an exciting night for many Grizzlies fans and sports fans across the world as NFL teams embark on their future tonight in the NFL Draft. One of my favorite times of the year. Hope that you and the team that you're cheering for in the NFL have a great start to your future by having a successful draft tonight. Well, one thing I can tell you that's not been successful is the Grizzlies' efforts over the past two games. Some of it is certainly understandable. Other parts of it are a bit harder to accept. We'll talk about that in the first segment of today's show after a 130-109 loss to the Portland Trailblazers. In the second segment, we're going to talk about Justice Winslow. All season long, we've known that that accumulation has been the philosophy of the front office, but making the playoffs has been the philosophy of the coaching staff and the players. Those two philosophies have complemented each other very well up until this point of the season. But in Justice Winslow, there's not necessarily tension, but there is a bit of a contrast when it comes to how his role should be utilized going forward versus with what the front office wants versus what the team and the coaching staff wants. We'll discuss that in the second half of the show. In the third segment, I talked about last week how the Grizzlies' historic April run of offense was great to see. But regression was always expected to happen, and it finally has. With that being said, what can we take away from early April compared to how the Grizzlies had played overall this season to gain an idea of what is a reasonable expectation for this Grizzlies team, especially on offense going forward? I wrote about it over at Grizzly Bear Blues today. I'll discuss it with you in the third segment of today's show. You can find the show at Locked on Grizz, myself at Stats SEC, the podcast wherever it's available, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you choose to listen to podcasts, that's where we will be, the Odyssey app as well. Make sure you check it out. Listen, review, subscribe. Let us know what you think of the show. My name's Sean Coleman. I've been doing this for three years, writing over at Grizzly Bear Blues, podcasting for the past two years, been with Locked On for the past year. Enjoy every single minute that I get to do this. The biggest reason why, it allows for me to consistently interact with others who share the passions that I do. One of the best ways I get to do that shines the spotlight on the title sponsor of our show today, the Locker Room app. Changing the way we talk about sports. Tonight at 8 o'clock, we'll do our regular weekly show, Let's Talk Grizzness. Multitasking with the draft and talking Grizzlies, but at least we have plenty to talk about when it comes to the Memphis Grizzlies. Listen, last night... There's not much to talk about. The Grizzlies got their ass kicked for the second straight game against a very good team, 130-109 to against Portland. Yes, it was frustrating with how well the Grizzlies had played in Portland over the weekend and the fact that the Grizzlies had forced Portland to play their style of play. The Grizzlies had done a very good job of limiting both C.J. McCollum and um, um, Damian Lillard for big stretches of both games. It was disappointing to see just a complete you know, stark contrast last night in a negative way versus how the Grizzlies had played over the weekend. But I think part of it is a bit understandable. You know, while this loss last night was not as easy to accept than the loss Monday night, I think a simple truth stands in place. The Grizzlies simply have been beaten the past two nights by more talented teams. That's not an insult to Memphis, but there's a reason why both Denver and Portland have been in the playoff picture for many years in recent memory. There's a reason why both Nikola Jokic and Damian Lillard are consist- have consistently been in the MVP conversation over the past few years. And the other thing that plays into this is that both of these teams have recently seen Memphis. On Monday night, Denver was playing Memphis for the second time in a week. On to, And then last night, 
Portland was playing Memphis for the third time in five nights. This One of the reasons why both Portland and Denver have consistently been in the playoff picture in recent memory is that they make adjustments. I get Portland's defense sucks, and I get that Denver is without, without Jamal Murray, but these teams still are very good teams. That's why they are able to make the adjustments that they need when they've seen a team recently and why they're able to find success. And the Grizzlies just didn't have answers for it. That, that's what it was. For two straight games, the Grizzlies just did not have it. There are, re- there are reasons as to why that's acceptable. For one thing, obviously, is the level of competition that they played. The other thing is that you're naturally just going to get this when it comes to a young team. You're going to get them playing at extremes. Playing like they could play with anybody in a playoff series over the weekend with how they played it in Portland versus coming you know right into this week and playing like a lottery team. Those polarizing performances, those level of extremes happening in in such quick turnarounds, that is a characteristic of a young team. It's the natural inconsistencies that you're going to get with the young team. The issue is, is that you also have fatigue settling in. Whether the team wants to admit it or not, it's clear that it's there. And for a Grizzlies team, that the calling card of their defense is energy, effort, and that fuels their effectiveness on that side of the ball. If they're lacking the ability to find that energy and effort, they become much more, you know, easy to handle on the defensive end. And that's certainly been in place the past two nights as well. Now, Obviously, I'm not trying to make excuses. I just feel that these are logical reasons as to why the Grizzlies have struggled. They've been playing against very good competition who recently had seen the Grizzlies, so these good teams made adjustments, and the Grizzlies' usual resourcefulness of energy and effort and the ability to make adjustments, they just have not been there. I think that it is fair to certainly say those things. But I think it's also fair to question the fact that the Grizzlies now have to clearly understand that regression has settled in. Maybe it's because of fatigue. Maybe it's because good teams have adjusted to them. For whatever reason it is, regression has now settled firmly in with how the Grizzlies offense is playing now versus how it was playing even five days ago and, of course, how it was playing in early April. The Grizzlies over the past week certainly have not been shooting the three like they did in early April. That was always expected because of the level of competition that they were playing. When the Grizzlies are facing the Bucks, even the Clippers without their best players, and then the Nuggets and the Trailblazers on a long road trip, how if you're playing good offensively before that, it's very unlikely you're going to remain playing as good offensively because those are some very good teams. Regression was always expected. Now it's settled in, and that puts the pressure back on the Grizzlies to adjust. The league has adjusted to how the Grizzlies had found success in early April. It's now time for the Grizzlies to adjust back. And it is it is a little bit concerning that the it took two it's taken two games, two ass kickings for the Grizzlies, I think, to clearly get that picture. I mean, they always had that picture, they always understood that, but they now know that they really don't have any choice but to find success adjusting their offensive uh, approach again in order to find ways to remain consistently successful. Going four for 32 um, from three on Monday night was completely understandable, but then coming right back out and going three for 16 from three last night, those are the type of stretches that you really cannot have if you're trying to make the playoffs. And even if 
the schedule is getting a bit easier in May. And I'm not saying this is the Grizzlies' way of thinking. It's not. But even if the Grizzlies' schedule in May is a bit more manageable than their schedule in April has been, the Grizzlies are not going to win these games just by showing up. These teams that they're going to be playing are going to see how Denver and how Portland have made life tough for the Grizzlies over the past two games on offense. And they're going to do the same. It's on the Grizzlies to make the necessary offensive adjustments to see what has changed in terms of opposing defenses' approach to them and to counter back in order to get the offensive balance going. If that's going back into the paint, using the floaters, getting to the free throw line, whatever it may be, and using that to set up open looks from three by passing the ball out crisply and astutely, that's fine. But that's the big thing that should come from these two games. You got your asses kicked. You played good teams. Fatigue likely has settled in. All those things can be acceptable and true. But now the biggest thing to take away from these last two games, adjustments have to be made. You were playing your best version of basketball in early April when you were balancing your ability to score in the paint with your ability to find threes, with your ability to with the readiness and willingness to shoot the three. Teams have adjusted to make it harder for you to do that. Now it's on Coach Jenkins and the coaching staff and the players to get together and adjust back for them to get the success that they need to have a really good end to this season in a setup that is favorable for them to do that considering the schedule that they have in early May. So at the end of the day, there's not much to talk about. The Grizzlies have struggled for two straight games. You certainly don't want another consecutive stretch of games like this again for the rest of the season. And it's going to be harder to accept with the fact that you're playing less talented teams to ensure that doesn't happen. Make the needed adjustments, get refocused, get back on track. The Grizzlies have done that all season. I don't see any reason why they can't do it once again now. But one thing that does shine, that one thing that does stand out also about the past few weeks, especially since he's come back to injury, is Justice Winslow. Obviously, the Grizzlies want to give him every chance that they can to certainly add value, find his group, find his role with this team. The problem is it is that it's becoming harder and harder to accept the fact that that's going to happen this season. Coming up, we're going to discuss just what the numbers say about how M. Winslow is impacting the game and how his role should be handled going forward to benefit the team's goals of making the playoffs. Over the past few games, it's pretty easy to say that parts of the Grizzlies offense that have been working early in April certainly have not been working as well over the past week. And adjustments need to be made. Repairs need to be made in order for the Grizzlies to get back going strong. Well, I can tell you this, the same philosophy applies to your car. Even if your car was running just fine in at the 1st of April, we all know that in the blink of an eye, repairs may be needed. And if that's the case, I can tell you the one place that's got you covered and that you could go to get the car parts you need if you were to need them, and that's rockauto.com. RockAuto.com is a great is a great resource for you for a variety of reasons. Number one, it's easy to use. Within a few clicks of the button, you'll be able to find what you need. And you're likely to find what you need, regardless of the make and model or the part that you have, because of how much depth RockAuto.com has with the parts that it offers. Whether you're someone like me who needs people to do your repairs, you do your own repairs, or you do repairs for others for a living, rockauto.com is also a great resource because it's economically feasible. This is a family-owned business. They've been in business over 20 years. They know that when it comes to auto parts, those repairs typically fall outside of budget, so they want to make things as cost-friendly as possible. If you visit rockauto.com, let them know that the Locked On Podcast Network sent you. rockauto.com, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts that you will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today.
A word that I frequently use in April in a positive uh, manner when it comes to the Grizzlies is balance. They've had better offensive balance when it comes to their performance in April in terms of their offense, you know, scoring in the paint as well as shooting from three. They've been on the search for balance, for consistency, in which they can balance good defensive play with good offensive play. Well, I think that balance is a word that, you know, should be used, you know, in many aspects for this Grizzlies team over the season. And one of the biggest ways that this team has done well in balancing expectations is for a bit of different philosophies, likely, when it comes to the front office of this team and the coaching staff and roster. Now, I'm not here to suggest that there's not synchronization, that these that the front office is thinking differently from the coaching staff and the roster. I think it's been understood from the beginning. The long-term view is the focus of this team. The focus has always been on the future for this Grizzlies team going forward. But the way that this Grizzlies team was doing that was by accumulating data on the roster that it's worked hard to put together in the 18 months before this season and seeing where that roster could take them. Well, the progression of this roster and it finally getting healthy and the development of players up and down the roster had allowed for there to be a, a beautiful balance between focus between accumulating data on the future but also allowing for this team to be in the position to make the playoffs after they were so close last year and after it was clearly a stated desire for the roster and the coaching staff going into this season. There's been a clear balance. The ability to accumulate data has uh, has supported the goal of the roster and the coaching staff to make the playoffs. It's worked out perfectly to this point. I don't want to suggest that anything's going on that's taking away from that. There's not anything present right now that's disrupting that balance. But I do think that now we are that we are late in the season. Decisions must be made as to what direction to go. There's going to be times where when it comes to the utilization of different players or the approach or things like that, where there has to be a focus made on either shooting for the playoffs as much as you can or remaining focused on accumulating data by playing different players in different roles or in different combinations, despite the fact that the results may not be that positive. I think that comes clearly in focus when we talk about Justice Winslow. Justice Winslow returned on February 20th, and initially there was some decent success with him at times, especially when it came to defense. But overall, I've said all season long, when it came to Justice Winslow, I wanted for him to answer two questions definitively. Number one, he could stay healthy. Number two, he could differentiate himself from the rest of the roster. I think the answers to both of those questions lead more towards no than it does yes. Overall, health-wise, yes, there has been health. He's not out for the rest of the season. There's not anything that suggests that he's playing with an ailment. You know, he seemed pretty healthy. However, he was out for two to three weeks with hip soreness. So overall, there's it's still completely logical to question just how much his health can be reliable moving forward. But I think an even more definitive no comes to the fact that no, Justice Winslow has not differentiated himself from the rest of the roster. Now, with that being said, I do think that it's still a logical and relevant idea that the idea of Justice Winslow is a thing that can be accomplished at times. And that's him being a very good contributor to a defense that can be that is top 10 in the league 
but also as a dribble drive guy who can get to the basket plus a secondary facilitator. He's shown glimpses of being both. And the Grizzlies recently have tried to put him in the position to feature both those things by putting him at the backup point guard position over Tyus Jones. The problem is, is that the numbers are hard to deny when it comes to Justice Winslow. It's hard to deny that despite what the Grizzlies have tried to do to get him going, to find his groove to where he can add value on both ends of the court, the numbers simply do not support that he's been able to do that. In 896 possessions this year, the Grizzlies are 8.3 points per 100 possessions worse when when Justice Winslow is on the court versus when he is off the court. They are a significantly better team when he is off the court than when he is on the court. And that's true. His play backs that up. He has not added any value. He's been much more of a harm than a help on offense this year. That is fair to say. He still does offer encouraging signs on defense, especially when it comes to helping the Grizzlies create turnovers, but also in helping them limit rebounds. So I truly feel, you know, I mentioned last week when it came to Justice Winslow, the reason why I supported the idea of him being the backup point guard is at the end of the day, the point, the backup point guard position only has so much influence. So I felt that the combination of Justice Winslow's playmaking ability with what he can add to our defense, with helping the strength of our defense, being able to have multiple wing defenders that can really limit the best score on the opposition, plus helping in rebounding and creating turnovers. I felt that combination from Justice Winslow was a better overall combination than anything Tyus Jones could add beyond his playmaking. I still think the idea of Justice Winslow being able to do that is true. The problem is is that the Grizzlies did that to find a balance in allowing for their bench to remain a strength while also allowing for their defense to remain a strength. That's why they went with Tyus Winslow over Tyus Jones, or Justice Winslow over Tyus Jones. They wanted for their bench to remain strong. They wanted to find a way to have their bench remain strong while also keeping Winslow in the defensive rotation because they know they can help, that he can help defensively. The issue is, is that over the past five or six games, and looking at that, the data simply shows that's not the case. And in the late stretch run of a season in which you hope to make the playoffs, if you're trying to, on the fly, make significant adjustments to your bench rotations to see if something works, you've got to be just as quick to admit that it's not working. And it is time to admit that it's not working. I do think Justice Winslow should clearly be in the rotation. Because at the end of the day, an elite defense, which the Grizzlies can accomplish with Justice Winslow as part of the defensive rotation, an elite defense is more important than an elite bench. I think that that's clear. Numbers show that when when uh, Justice Winslow and DeAnthony Melton, the one time of the year where they both were consistent parts of the rotation from February 20th through March 26th, this Grizzlies defense was fourth in defensive rating. That's why I think that Justice Winslow should still be a part of the rotation because of the depth that the Grizzlies can throw at teams. That could be their best asset against the best teams in the NBA, which is definitely going to be needed for a playoff run. But the way to do that seems to be having Justice focus solely on that in terms of his responsibilities. The idea of him being able to be the backup point guard plus be a significant part of the Grizzlies' defense is a great idea. 
But if adding the point guard responsibilities to his plate is taking away his is taking away from his ability to be that elite defender, now what you're doing is you're lessening the effectiveness of your defense while also making your bench less effective. So the combination of being a backup point guard as well as being a big part of the Grizzlies' defense, it's not working. So the response should be that Justice Winslow should remain a part of the rotation, but you need to get Tyus Jones back in there as well, and you need to find a balance. At the end of the day, yes, the, uh, an elite defense is more important than an elite bench. And I think that Justice Winslow plays a big, can play a significant role in making our defense elite. But if having him at the backup point guard position is taken away from his ability to play that level of defense while also taken away from the bench's effectiveness, you would rather find a way to get Tyus Jones and Justice Winslow in the lineup so they can solely focus on what they're good at to make the bench an asset plus the defense an asset than take away from that just by seeing if Justice Winslow can handle the backup point guard duties. I think that that goal, that idea, just is not producing the results that this team had hoped it would. So it's time to get them both back going. I don't think the question should be either Justice Winslow or Tyus Jones. I think it should be finding a balance that works between the two. Because at the end of the day, while an elite defense is better than an elite bench, you want both of them to be a strength at the same time on most nights. And that is through Justice Winslow solely focusing on being the good defender that he is, along with the secondary facilitator off the bench, and allowing Tyus Jones to lead the bench unit as the floor general that he is. So I'm not, you know, I, I, I'm not sitting here criticizing the front office or Taylor Jenkins for trying something new, trying to see if Justice Winslow at the backup point guard position would work. But what I am saying is, is that the idea of what it could be, right now remains simply an idea. It's not become a truth. The results that you had hoped would come from putting Justice Winslow at the backup point guard position to where you can still have your bench as a strength while your defense continues to play at elite level, it's not there. Because it seems that the point guard duties that you're giving Justice Winslow is taken away from his ability to be an effective defender as well. At the end of the day, the overriding commitment, the overriding thing that should play an impact on decisions being made when it comes to the rotations of the Grizzlies roster is what rotations, what involvement of players puts our team in the best position to feature as many strengths as possible on as many nights as possible. Two of the areas that are clear strengths of ours is our defense and our bench. And with Justice Winslow and Tyus Jones, they both can have significant roles Justice Winslow on our defense, Tyus Jones on our bench, if that's their sole focus. I think that's been clearly proven. And with that being said, that should be the way that it is going forward. Incorporate both of them in the rotation, 10 to 15 minutes a night. Let Tyus run the bench. Let Justice focus solely on defense. And I think that that will allow for both of those aspects of the Grizzlies game to be strengths. It's unfortunate that Justice has struggled the way that he has this year. And at the end of the day, it's a conversation for later as to whether this team should pick up his option. I think this Grizzlies team has at least seen enough to know how they can approach Justice Winslow's development in the offseason. I don't think it's fair to get a final opinion of Justice Winslow, though I think it is fair to question whether or not this team should pick up his team option. But I think that this team has gotten enough of an idea of what Justice needs to work on in the offseason for him to be a better version of himself 
next year. With that being said, I still think that the Grizzlies can continue giving him a role, focus solely on defense, while also allowing Tyus to work his way back in the rotation to lead the bench. And at the end of the day, that allows for your defense and your bench to be strengths. And that should be the overriding commitment that this Grizzlies team should have as it hopes to make the playoffs with a successful run in May. Well, with that being an idea, this Grizzlies team has regressed on offense over the past 10 days. They played so well in April, but all that really did for the season was take them from below average offense to a league average offense. That may not seem like that big of a deal, but if they can make that transition from a below average offense to a league average offense, it significantly impacts their ability to win. Coming up in the third segment, I'll discuss some numbers that clearly show that the Grizzlies can be a consistent league average offense. It puts them in a much better position to win going forward. Tonight with the NFL Draft here, it's an exciting time for any fan when it comes to sports. But if wagering and betting on sports is a part of what makes your fandom so special, obviously it's a fun time for prop bets and other type of bets when it comes to the NFL Draft. The crazy thing is, no matter the sport that you love or the athletes that you follow, wagering and betting on sports can be covered in a variety of different ways. But there's one place that has you covered better than anyone, and that's BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. This week has tons of sports action on the go. As the NFL Draft is on, and the Kentucky Derby is back as the first leg of the Triple Crown begins this weekend. Get all the news, get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your USC slash MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus from your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. Visit BetOnline today and use the promo code LOCKEDON when you head to the website or use your mobile device to receive your 50% bonus on your first deposit. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, is Cam Newton still the planet quarterback for the New England Patriots? Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So last week I had mentioned, um, in, in a, I believe it was last Tuesday's episode, I had talked about how this Grizzlies team has been so much fun to watch, especially in early April with how well they were playing offensively and the ways in which they were playing so good offensively, shooting the ball, passing, being able to play a modern version of NBA offense and arguably the best stretch of offensive production this team had seen in franchise history. But the thing about it is this, is that while that stretch of play certainly was fun to watch, it was also clearly not sustainable. This Grizzlies team just is not at the point yet where it can play like the league's best offense on a consistent basis at this point in time. Maybe they get there one day, but that that opportunity, in my opinion, is not there right now. However, that's exactly what they are, even as of yesterday before the Portland game. This Grizzlies team is first in offense and first in offensive rating in the NBA, and they're having the best offseason to date in franchise history. But the thing is, is that even though they're playing so well offensively in April, they're coming off a month in March in which they were 20th in offensive rating. This Grizzlies team looks completely different between where it was in March versus where it was in April. In March, the Grizzlies were 20th in offensive rating and 6th in defensive rating. In the month of April, they're 1st in offensive rating, but 24th in defensive rating. Just complete opposite versions of the team. So with how much they've been playing since March 1st, we've, since, we've seen so many extreme examples 
of them playing well on offense but struggling on defense and vice versa. And if we know that this Grizzlies offense isn't likely to be sustainable at the level that it was playing in April, we see that with the regression that we've seen over the past 10 days. It begs the question, what is an idea of a sustainable yet improved version of this Grizzlies offense going forward? And the best way that I can describe it is that because of what they've done in April, that we don't think that's sustainable, what it does indicate is that this Grizzlies team has now shown the ability to go from being a below-average offense in the NBA to a league-average offense in the NBA. And that's supported by where their season numbers are now with the boost that they've gotten for April. Consider the fact that before April 1st, the Grizzlies were 19th in offensive rating in the NBA. As of yesterday, they were 14th in the NBA, in offensive rating. And that may not seem like that big of a boost, but numbers certainly suggest that if this Grizzlies team can support a top 10 defense, their ninth in defensive rating for the season so far as well, if this Grizzlies team can support a top 10 defense with a, with a league average offense versus a below average offense, it makes a ton of difference in terms of it gives them a significantly better chance to win on a nightly basis. Here's what the numbers have to say. For the month of March, the Grizzlies, when it comes to their production, they are average, excuse me, for the month of April, when it comes to their offensive production, the Grizzlies are first when it comes to, um, or excuse me, second in April in points scored per game at 120 points per game. They are making 13.23s per game, and they're uh, making 39% of their threes. They are second in the league in scoring, 13 and three-pointers made per game, and fourth in shooting the three. The big difference between that and March is that the Grizzlies have gone from 29th in three-pointers made per game and 28th in three-point shooting percentage to 13th in three-pointers made per game and fourth in three-point shooting percentage. So basically, and furthermore, the Grizzlies have improved their points per game production by eight points between March and April. So it's clear to say that this Grizzlies team is not as bad as they were in March, but they're not as good as they were in April. So to get an idea of what is it, what is a reasonable expectation for this Grizzlies offense going forward is to kind of find a midway point between those two numbers. And I feel that a midway point is basically the numbers that the Grizzlies are performing at for their season. So they averaged 112 points in March, and they averaged 120 points in April. Well, now in the season, the Grizzlies are averaging 113.3 points per game. They're also averaging 11.2 points per game as well, when it, or 11.23 per game as well, when it comes to their ability to shoot. Shooting nearly 36% from three in the process as well. The Grizzlies are still a below-average three-point shooting team, but the reason why they're a league-average offense is that they are able to elevate their three-point shooting by being you know, among the league's best at creating points points off turnovers, in the paint, on the fast break, and um, on second chance opportunities. So because of what they've done in April, because of them being the league's best offense in April, they've gone from a below average offense before April to now being a league average offense in terms of their season numbers. And the reason why that's significant, the reason why that makes a big difference is because if the Grizzlies can move forward producing at their season averages on a more consistent basis, instead of frequently falling down to their offensive production in March, it makes a huge, huge difference in their ability to win. 
Consider this. Under Taylor Jenkins, when the Grizzlies perform at or below their March numbers, which means that when the Grizzlies score 112 or less points and they make 10 or less threes in a game, they are 13 and 31 under Taylor Jenkins. That's them performing at their March numbers or worse. When the Grizzlies perform at their season average numbers now, which are scoring 113 or more points in a game, along with hitting 11 or more threes, they're 38 and 17. This Grizzlies team is 21 games above 500 under Taylor Jenkins when they hit their season averages so far this season or better in a game. They are 18 games under 500 when they perform at their March numbers or below. That's why there's such a significant need for them to consistently be able to play at the level that they're playing now as far as their season numbers go. But here's the big key about it. We know that the Grizzlies are not going to play at the offensive level that they've shown in April. That's acceptable. The problem is, is that we now have to have confidence that that just was not a mirage. Even though we don't expect for them to play at the level that they have in April offensively, the hope is that they've taken a significant stride for them to consistently play at the season averages they have now as a result of their great April play instead of reverting back to how they played in March. Because when the Grizzlies play like, if the Grizzlies can consistently, on, a, on most nights, hit their season averages when it comes to points, when it comes to threes, throw in their ability to produce 27 assists a night, throw in their ability to limit teams from, from three at 40% or less, their numbers become even more successful when it comes to winning. When the Grizzlies hit their season averages in points and in, in, in three-pointers currently, 113 or more points, and, 100, and 11 or more threes in a game. Throw in the games where they do those two things, plus produce 27 or more assists, and hold their opponents to 40% or less from shooting. The Grizzlies are 22-4 and four under Taylor Jenkins. So that's the significance of the April production for the Grizzlies. It's not the fact that we expect them to remain among the league's best offenses. It's the fact that we hope that this is their way of improving from what they did offensively in March to what their season numbers suggest they've done on the season as a whole now. And the key is instead of playing at the extreme that they have in April and at the extreme that they've had in March, they find a midpoint that on most nights they can play at what their season averages suggest. Scoring 113 to 115 points in a game, making 11 or more threes, shooting 36 to 38% from three, generating 27 or more assists, as well as limiting their opponents to under 40% shooting. The Grizzlies have done most of those things in the majority of games that they played under Taylor Jenkins. If they can consistently do them, which they have done several times over the past month, if they can consistently do them from this point on, it's going to put them in a much better position to win going forward than they were at the beginning of the month of April. It's going to take time for a young team to be able to establish that. But the fact that they are achieving these marks more frequently in games show that at least offensively, this Grizzlies team is finding grooves that allow for it to win games even against very good opponents. They can consistently find ways to do that going forward. It's going to allow for them to take their next step in the evolution of this team that's really going to make them a true playoff contender into next year and beyond. 
Obviously, it's been a very, very fun month of April. Not ending on the best of notes, but there's an opportunity, obviously, in front of the Grizzlies to be able to make the most of the rest of their season to get in as favorable of a playoff position as possible. That's what we're going to talk about tomorrow. We're going to look at the Grizzlies' May schedule, plus talk about how the Grizzlies can put themselves in a position to get two needed wins against the Orlando Magic, one of the worst teams in the league. These are games the Grizzlies should win. They need to take advantage of as many of those opportunities as possible with a manageable early May schedule. Thanks so much for listening. Hope that you have a great day. You can find the show at Locked on Grizz, myself at StatsSAC. Until next time, hope you have a great one. Enjoy the NFL Draft, and we'll talk to you tomorrow on the next edition of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast.